What a powerful, powerful scene from a well-known movie, and really a movie that's uh, really closely connected to our area, The Last Mohicans, circa 1992. I was about seven years old when it came out, but it was an awesome, awesome movie. Wow, what an incredible, incredible moment. Really, what's so powerful about that scene is that it really reflects so much, so much love and commitment, really, between two people. He was saying, I will go to incredible extremes. No matter what, I am going to find you. Wow. Wow. Well, our current message uh, series uh, is called The Names of God, and we're learning more about God. We're learning how he refers to himself, how he reveals himself in his word through his names. And today, uh, we're going to be talking about Emmanuel, God is with us. Amen? Oh boy. <laughs> All right, guys, let's uh, tap the person next to you, to the right. Everybody to the right, tap the person to the right and say, wake up. I said God is with us. Amen? Amen. All right, we're ready. I think we're ready. Matthew chapter 1, verses 21 through 23 are what we're going to look at today. These are very familiar verses, especially for the Christmas story. Merry Christmas, everybody. Matthew chapter 1, verses 21 through 23 start out, and the angel is speaking to Joseph in that. He says, she, speaking of Mary, will bear a son. You shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Amen. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. So obviously, those verses are from the Christmas story, as we just said. And as the angel is speaking to Joseph about the birth of Jesus, he talks about one of the names that we've talked about a few weeks ago. Remember, he will be called Jesus, for he will be our Savior. He will be our rescuer from our sins. Amen? Amen. But then, then the angel quotes from the book of Isaiah, which, by the way, was written somewhere between six or 700 years earlier than this. Uh, he says that there was a prophecy in the Old Testament, Isaiah. It said that God was going to send a child who would be born and that that child would be born of a virgin. What? That's crazy. And then that child, it gets even crazier, would be God in the flesh. God come to be with us. Amen. Every time we hear God be with us, we've got to say amen. I mean, that, is, that is incredible news, as we're going to see today. Think about it. God had promised all the way back in the beginning of time, all the way back at the beginning to Adam and Eve, that there would be a child of theirs who would crush the enemy. We see that in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. And then when Eve had Cain, surely Eve and the enemy must have thought this. This is the one. But then Cain killed Abel. And so others were born. And then others and then eventually Abraham came, and then Moses came, and then David came, and then Solomon came, and sure enough, no, that's not the one. No, 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 none of them would defeat the enemy. Then, 
Then came the clear announcement from the angel in the New Testament. God himself was the one who was coming to be with us and to help us. Amen? And that is our focus today. Emmanuel, God is with us. And what does that name Emmanuel mean? Well, what does it mean for God? What does it mean that God is with us? Well, first of all, what we're going to see is that God became a man. Emmanuel means God became a man. Now, we live in a country where even if you did not grow up in church, you probably have been exposed to, to church in some way, shape, or form. And so that thought might not be initially shocking to you. But think about this. Think about it. The God of the universe, the one who created the universe. Well, there's hundreds of billions of galaxies across the universe that we know of. Our, you, our galaxy— it takes 100,000 light years to get across our galaxy. Wow, that's big. That's crazy. That's almost unfathomable for our minds, right? That God who is that big, that massive, that powerful, that incredible, came onto this little speck, this little dust of a planet, and it gets even more incredible than that he came into a little tiny human body on this little tiny planet. God became a man. How in the world does God fit into a maybe six foot tall human body? It's incredible. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says in Philippians chapter 2 verses 5 through 8. Speaking of Jesus, he says, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross." Emmanuel, God became a man. First of all, it means that God humbled himself and entered our world as a human being. It's called, uh, uh, by theologians, the incarnation. You probably have heard that term. Literally, it means in the flesh. God came and took on human flesh. Can you imagine God in a woman's womb? with an umbilical cord attached to him, floating around in ambionic fluid. I mean, what in the world? That is crazy. And then God cried as a baby. Y'all can say, ah, ah. God cried as a baby. God had a dirty diaper. Are you kidding me? God had a dirty—what? God grew up, and he became a teenager. What? Good night. That's incredible. From Philippians 2, we also get a few other things. Another word, another theological word called the kenosis. There's your $10,000 word for the day. Everybody say kenosis. Kenosis. I don't know. I feel like you got to do something with your hand. I don't know. Anyways, kenosis. It's one of those theological terms. It literally means self-emptying. 
What, and you heard Pastor Robbie a few weeks ago talk about this. He said that Jesus was, Jesus is fully God. But also Jesus was and Jesus is fully human. At his first coming, when he came as a man, he voluntarily laid aside the independent use of his attributes as God. Meaning when he took on human flesh, he could have zapped the God card whenever he wanted, at whatever time he wanted. But instead, as he lived as a man, he actually uh, depended on God the Father, empowering him through God the Holy Spirit to do anything that he did while he was on this earth. Wow. The kenosis. Everybody say kenosis. You got it, all right? In Philippians 2, it tells us it was even more dramatic than that. He became a servant to the rest of us. He not only came down to meet us on our level, he took the lowest position that any person could ever take on the earth, a servant. And then he went further He was completely innocent, but died the death that we deserved to die. Like we said moments ago, from Genesis 3.15, and then throughout the Old Testament, God had always promised to send a man who would deliver us. The Messiah, the Christ. And if they had really been paying attention throughout the centuries, at the moment when Jesus came, surely they would have realized God is coming as a man and he is here. Think about it. The amazing message of the gospel, what you've heard us call the good news. Every other religion says you have to do, 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 that God requires you to find your way to him. But God's message, God's message is that he knew we could never find our way there. And so he came to us. Emmanuel means that God became a man. You know, I think a great story, uh, I have a story that would illustrate this. And, you know, it's said that a man's wife kept asking him to come to church, but the man continued to say no week after week. Uh, does anybody have amens to that? You know, just dealing with the struggle. One Sunday, his wife asked him one more time, but again, the man said no. Not long after she left, the man heard something in his garage. He went out and saw a bird flying around in the garage, apparently all along the ceiling. Apparently, it had gotten in while the door was open. The man wadded up some newspapers, going to take care of the bird, help the, no, just going to try to help the bird get out. So he opened up the door, was swinging at the bird, trying to direct it towards the door. And after futile efforts over and over again, in the mind of the man, he said, man, if I could just be a bird, I could fly up to that bird, and then I could fly right out the door, showing the bird the way to safety. And then it clicked in his head. Finally, he understood what his wife had been talking about. That's what Jesus has come to do for us. He became a man so that he could show us the way to safety. Now, certainly we realize it is much more than that. Jesus not only showed us the way, he actually had to suffer and die to provide us the way out to safety. 
But I think there's still, you know, in many ways, this is a great illustration that, of what God is doing for us through Jesus. He is showing us the way. He is Emmanuel. God has become a man. And not only that, Emmanuel also means, and number two, God is close to us now. God is close to us now. Do you ever just feel like you need somebody to be close to you for a little while? You know, it's sometimes it gets so bad that the only thing you can do is maybe sing. You know, you know maybe you could just repeat this after me. You just call on your brother when you need a hand. We all need Pastor Matt, get up on the um, piano. Let's get the organ music going. Let's bust it out. Come on. <laughs> but in all seriousness, no. Sometimes you just feel like you need somebody, right? Just need some encouragement. You just need some support. You just need someone to be with you. He knows and understands someone to help you. One of the greatest heroes of our faith, John Wesley, was said as his life was coming to a close, as he was at the last moments of his breath, of, of his, of breath he repeated this over and over. You know what he said? Best of all. This is the best of all. God is with us. Best of all. God is with us. And then he died. Wow. Think about that. A man who preached more sermons, studied God's word, and walked with God much more than many of us ever will experience. Having heard what he had heard, seen what he had seen, learned what he had learned from the Lord, and then his, his life was ending as he was facing the certainty of his death, he said to us in the estimation, the best thing of all is... God is with us. Wow. He said that the best thing of all, if you have put your trust in Jesus Christ, the best thing of all is not that you have a lot of money. It's not that you've had a lot of fun or you've done the things you wanted to do and you've checked off your bucket list. It's not that you've reached your five-year goals. It's not that your life even ended up the way you wanted it to end up. It's not even that you get to go to a place called heaven. Not even that you've been loved. Or not even that you get to be with loved ones when you die. The best thing of all is that God is with us. And isn't that often why people marry their spouses, right? They can't imagine life ever again without that person. There is no one else in the world I would rather be around as often as I'm going to be than with you. That's what the marriage commitment in many ways is, right? Think about it. Think about this. God has always wanted to be with you. Really, whether you have given your life to him or not, God has never been far from you. He's never been far from you. Now, I know it might, might sometimes feel like God is far away. Maybe even someone has said something to you that you have done something that means that God is now far from you. But listen to what the Apostle Paul says in Acts chapter 17, verses 26 and 27. He says this, speaking of God, He, 
made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling places, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him, yet he is actually not far from each of us, each one of us. You know, some throughout the years have come up with this philosophical idea, you might have heard of it, called deism. And uh, just to kind of uh, summarize with an illustration, it's, it's kind of this idea that God, that, 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 that God created everything and then set uh, history on trajectory, kind of wound up the clock that was history and kind of set the timer for whatever it's going to end, and then he took a vacation. Wow, that was hard. I'm going to go take a break and go sip some things down on the proverbial beach of celestial beaches or whatever and just hang out and just let that just take care of itself. And then, oh, looks like I got to get back. And then they come back and he deals with the mess. Now, some people live as though that's true, but I want to encourage you today to know that is not true. That is not the God of the Bible, God Almighty. He has always, always been intimately involved in the events of this world. He has always been very aware of the path your life has taken. He has been working tirelessly to draw each of us to himself so that we will give our lives to him. Haven't you sensed that that's actually the truth? Then on top of that, all throughout God's word in the Old Testament, God kept saying to his people that if you would trust me, if you will trust me, I will, you will not be alone. Surely I will always be with you. Whatever situations you find yourself in or whatever challenges you face in life, I will be with you. In the midst of that, God made another promise. He said that a day was coming when he was going to make a new covenant, a new commitment, and that was going to involve not just a sense that God is near or that God is with us, but he was going to make it possible for him to live in our hearts. Listen to the message of Jeremiah 31, 31 through 33. This is crazy. Listen to this. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, and like the, not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I'll make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I'll put my law within them, and I'll write it on their hearts. You see, it's, it's as though God himself is in there doing that, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wow. That passage, that passage is crazy. Let me summarize a little bit of what I just shared with you. For one, yes, God is 
big. Yes, he's big. But as big as God is, he is not far away from any of us, and he's not far away from our lives at all. And God has always had a desire to be very close to us and to help us if we will trust him. And God has promised that a day is coming when he would live in our hearts. And friends, that day is here. That day is today. Because of the work Jesus did, because of his spirit, he can live in our hearts. Now, you might be asking, why is all of that really important? How does that really fit? Well, it tells us this. Write this down. First, God sees. All throughout his word, he continues to say, contrary to what you or I may feel, that God does not know about me or what I'm going through, the fact is he does know and he does see your life and what you're going through. It also tells us, as good as that is, God cares. See, you know, it's one thing to see a person struggling. It's another to care about that struggle. Amen? And contrary to what others have told you, God does care about you. No matter how silly your need might feel, no matter how inconsequential, oh, I don't want to bother God with this, or no matter how insignificant you might think your life actually is, he wants to be with you and in your life, friends. It also tells us that God took action for us. You know, it's one thing to notice someone needs our help. It's another thing to care about that person and in your heart, but still not do something about it. But God cared and he actually came for us and he came to us. It wasn't just talk. It's who he is and it's what he's done. And I think a big aspect of God coming to us and for us is that now we can know that God understands. He gets it. You know, and there's at least two ways that this is clear. First of all, he understands because he became a man and he went through everything that we have gone through. Hebrews chapter 4 says it this way. Verse 15, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may find, receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. God knows what we've gone through. Number two, on the cross, he felt the impact and paid the penalty for all of our sin. And in that regard, I think it's important for us to realize that, yes, Jesus experienced a lot of what we go through as human beings in in his earthly life. Just to give you just a sampling. First of all, Jesus had a stepdad. Do y'all think about that? Have you ever thought about that? Jesus lived in a blended family. Jesus' life started in the midst of a scandal. A virgin had a baby in our town. Did you hear that Mary's a virgin and God the Holy Spirit impregnated her? Yeah, right. 
For his entire life, he was the child of that. And they were the family of that story in that town. Friends, if there is anything that you think he didn't face it like me, you need to know that on the cross, he didn't just pay for something like our problems. He paid for all of our sins, all of our problems, all of the sin against us, and he paid the full penalty, experiencing it to the full. Wow. Wow. He truly, truly understands. Like no one else ever will or ever could. And then finally, it gets us to this. It tells us that he is here with us, right here, right now. God did all of that, but that was only the beginning. He did it so that he could be with you and can be with me 24-7, 365, all the time, every day, every moment. Amen. Do you feel that? Do you know that? And now, he is with us. He is protecting us. He is guiding us. He is providing for us. He is speaking to us. He is teaching us. He is helping us. He is with us. And that leads us to the last thing that we want to talk about together today. Emmanuel means, number three, that God will never, never leave us. Now, I know that for some of us, all of this is maybe a little bit overwhelming, right? Like, you know, first of all, I didn't know God cared so much about my life. Second of all, I didn't realize how close he wants to be to us. But even if I dared to believe those things, I think I've always had that maybe in the back of my mind, right? Like, yeah, no, Emmanuel, yes, God is with us. God is even with me personally, okay. But is he always going to be with us? I mean, you know, most good things in my life at some point, you know, they, they have a termination point. They come to an end. Most of the people that I've cared about, at some point, they kind of bailed out on me. I mean, and surely somewhere along the line, knowing me, there was a good reason for it, and I'm going to do something that's going to cause God to say, you know what? I'm done with you this time, buddy. I don't love you anymore. Well, if that's how you feel, I have good news for you. It is not true. And there are two aspects of this I want you to understand, that he will never leave us. First of all, he has promised that he will never, ever leave you. He is Emmanuel. God has come to be with us, to be with you. And if you have put your trust in him, he is in your life right now. Amen? He is doing all the things that he said he would do through his spirit that we talked about a week or two ago. And he has promised that he will never, ever, 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 y'all want to say an ever with me? Ever leave us. Check this out. Hebrews 13, verse 5. For he said, this is speaking of Jesus, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Now, in our English translations, that doesn't really get the oomph out. So listen to me. I want to share this powerful, encouraging statement one Bible teacher said about this. The verb translated leave means abandon. 
So Jesus is saying, I will never abandon you. The word forsake also means to leave totally helpless, to abandon, desert, to leave alone in a struggle, in a condition of suffering. I will never leave you, abandon you in a moment of suffering in a condition like that. This was, by the way, the word that Jesus used on the cross in Matthew chapter 27, verse 46, when he said to God, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You know, in common everyday language, it might be expressed as to hang someone out to dry. Jesus, Jesus will never do that to you. This is a strong negative statement. It comes with five negative parts of speech that puts it in, the, in, in an emphatic position. Literally, not never you, I will abandon, nor not never you, I will forsake. There could be no stronger statement that ever could be made of this from Jesus to you. Wow. Wow. This, this Emmanuel, he is, he's amazing. He is God come to be with us and with you. And he has promised that once he is with you, he will never, ever leave. Think about this statement. If you are a child of God, you will never ever be far away from God again. If you're a child of God, you will never, no, not ever, be far away from God again. Now, I know you got some things in the back of your head saying, yeah, it's not true. It can't be. He is who he says he is. He is Emmanuel. And there's another aspect of his never leaving that I want you to consider. Yes, the most important thing for us is to realize that he is for all of us personally. When I, when you, when anyone accepts Christ, that person will never be apart from God ever again. But there actually is a bigger picture part of this that God also wants you and I to understand tonight. Emmanuel means that God's kingdom has come and is coming. Now, you be like, whoa, what are you talking about there? That's kind of weird. All right, so all right, just track with me for a moment. We're going to run down this a little bit. If you have read many passages in the Old Testament that talk about God's plan, uh, what God is doing, you will see that there are many references to God establishing a kingdom, a kingdom where he's the king He's in charge, and everything is the way he intends it to be. That is a great, great kingdom, and I want to be in that kingdom. Amen? A kingdom that will never end. You see, yes, God has made it possible right now, today, for us to have a personal relationship with him and for him to live in our hearts. But there's actually another step of God's being with us that he is working towards. God wants to make a place that is perfect, a place called heaven. And he wants to take all of his people there. 
the ones who've accepted that offer of being rescued from their sin. And in that land, in that place, we will be more with God than we have ever been. Yeah, amen. Listen, listen to how that place is described in God's word. And I I know I'm going to get some amens after it. This is crazy. Look at this. Revelation 21, verses 2 through 3. I saw a whole, the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. You see it? It's always been God's heart. He will dwell with them, and they will be his Almost just don't even need to say people. You're just going to be, you're going to be his. Wow. And God himself will be with them as their God. Amen. Whoo. See, that's the Bible. That's crazy. Y'all got to read the Bible. It's crazy. It's amazing. There is a sense in which Jesus' work on the cross and his resurrection have inaugurated this kingdom that is to come. It's because what Jesus did on the cross and his resurrection and his ascension is his coming, his death, his resurrection, his ascension, is that this is as sure as going to be completed. That has been put into place and it is on its way to being done. So you'll hear some Bible teachers say it this way. The kingdom is already, but not yet. Friends, listen, Emmanuel means that the kingdom that has been long promised, a kingdom where God will dwell directly with us, where we will be in his presence, that kingdom, in a sense, has come. It has been unleashed, and the powers of darkness are on their heels, and they know their end is coming. Amen. And that kingdom, in its fullest sense, is coming one day. Maybe soon. Maybe really soon. And God has always intended for us to be in that place. In a place of blessing with him, God with us. Emmanuel, for how long? Forever. Forever. You know, what did John Wesley say? Do you remember? The best thing of all is God is with us. Emmanuel. That's what we are celebrating when we celebrate Christmas. Friend, no matter who you are, God is with you right now. He is working in your life. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done, He is protecting you. He is guiding you. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done, to a place that you will put your trust in him. Why won't you make that decision? Why don't you make that decision 
today if you never have. Understanding Emmanuel, God wants and always has intended to be with you. And he, because of that, has come and dealt with the one thing that kept you from being able to experience the fullness of a relationship with him and to have heaven as your home. He took care of your sin. So that all you have to do is accept his offer of being rescued. Give your life to him. You could do that today. If you have put your trust in Christ, if you have been rescued, if you are saved, do you realize Do you remember daily God lives in you? Wow. Do you realize how much resources, how much power are at work available in you right now? Are you living in victory? Are you living in his strength? He is Emmanuel. He is in you. Are you seeking him daily to find and fulfill his purpose for you? Are you helping others to get to that kingdom that is to come so that they can have God in their hearts right now and have hope that they can be with God forever too, just like you will? Because he is Emmanuel. God, God is with us. Amen? Let's turn to him now in prayer. So, Father, we turn uh, to you now. And we are so, so, so grateful for the fact that you have revealed yourself through your son, Jesus. He is Emmanuel. He is God with us. And thank you that he is God with us so with us that he lives in our hearts if we have put our trust in you. But you loved us so much that you have wanted that level of intimacy, that level of a powerful working in our lives that there would be nothing, nothing that could ever stand between us. You really did come and find us. And you went to the greatest extremes to die for us. Thank you. And God, I confess how, how, how much it almost seems too good to be true. All I can say is you have shown yourself to be that. And as sure as Jesus came to this earth and as sure as Jesus died and as sure as you rose from the dead and as sure as your early followers went to their graves because they preached your resurrection, I know, we know, you are with us. You're amazing. Thank you for your word. And Father, as we remember that, maybe you're saying something to us that says, you know what, I just, I see this area of my life and see that it's an area where I haven't really even acknowledged that you're even there. Let alone that you have power at work in my life. So Lord, if that's someone here, I pray you would just lead them, you encourage them, you show them how much you love them, and show that even in that moment when they might not even realize that you're with them, as you love them, you've got a plan for their lives.
Lord, we surrender to you. We also acknowledge that maybe someone's here and they have realized that they have never given their life to Jesus. If that's you, friend, we give an opportunity every week, just as I just had shared. God is at work in your life. He is He's at work in your life. He's guiding you. He's protecting you. And it's all so that you would come to a moment like right now and to give your life to him. So if you're ready to do that, you could say to God something like this. God, thank you for wanting to be with me, loving me so much that you sent Jesus. Emmanuel, I give my life to you. Forgive me of my sin. Come be my Savior. Father, we worship you today. We worship you, Jesus. You are our Emmanuel. You are with us and we love you. We pray in your name.